electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Zach Valisi. Today on our podcast, inflation surging to 6.8%, the fastest rate since 1982. More with CNBC's Steve Leisman. At the moment, it seems like everybody's kind of copacetic with where we're at, even though these numbers are hot and hot across the board. And how is inflation affecting restaurants and other businesses? Chef and restaurateur Lydia Bastianich. We have to be careful because we want the customers, we want to keep the energy going, but the costs are going up. And it looks like a fourth COVID shot could come sooner rather than later. Dr. Kavita Patel on what the future looks like for vaccine mandates and COVID restrictions. I'm already talking with uh, employers of different sizes in the United States who are rethinking their mask policy. I've seen a lot more employers now putting masks back in. They've also been moving a lot more of their larger gatherings back to Zoom. Plus, a Starbucks store in Buffalo, New York, makes history after workers voted to unionize. Did you just say they pulled up the living level of baristas all around the world? Did you really just say that? It's Friday, December 10th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. Where in the red? Where in the red? Go Rutgers. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but uh, I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. U.S. equity future. Inflation continues to be an issue as people try to get back to a new normal. If you've been complaining about your increased grocery bill lately, among other things, you're not alone. Inflation has accelerated at its fastest pace since 1982. That's putting pressure on the economic recovery and raising the stakes for the Federal Reserve. Food prices have jumped 6% over the year, while energy prices have risen 33% since November 2020. CNBC's Steve Leisman breaks down the numbers for us. Let me just give you analysis on the um, CPI, which is a really technical analysis, which is that everything's up a lot. I think that's just the way to say it. I got food up, I got food at home, food away from home. Uh, The biggest increases our energy uh three and a half percent and now one of the new things that's happening here is that shelter um is up zero uh, 0.4 on the month 3.4 percent year over year that's been on the rise but when i look at the market well you know the fixed income complex it it looks like the two year is actually off now it had sort of positioned itself for an even hotter number up 72 basis points now it's down up now it's at 68 basis points or 69 call it I see the 10-year selling off. The market was well-positioned for this, and the impression I get, at least the very initial impression from the market's reaction to this number, is it feels like the Fed is positioned for this. Remember what we're going to get. We're going to get a faster taper, probably double next week, and then an outlook for rate hikes that's going to put two or three rate hikes into 2022. The market is not screaming for more, and the market does not at the moment seem upset by what it's about to get. So what you have is you had this adjustment period before the number. And so, so far at the moment, and I even see, by the way, the, uh, the, 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 the stock futures rising. 
at the moment, it seems like everybody's kind of copacetic with where we're at, even though these numbers are hot and hot across the board. And I think there's more to come. Right. With where we are, I think is sufficient. And uh, that story we talked about a little yesterday, Starbucks, yeah. one Starbucks store. Let's talk about store. this one. Yep. In, in one store in Buffalo. It, it's the, the numbers are small and there's voting irregularities. Did you see that? They're yeah, challenging the, the, stores, other, yeah. the other two stores. How many people are we talking? How do you have voting irregularities with like 14 they, they people They said it voting? was a question of who was eligible to vote. My guess right. is it's like, it's are funny. you a full-time worker or something? Like, I heard the same thing. We can't right. even, you know, not even it's, we got election problems and challenges even at, uh, at Starbucks. But one did vote uh, clearly to unionize. And that's a first. Workers at the Elmwood Avenue location. Uh, voted 19 to 8 in favor. They uh, watched the vote count over Zoom. Employees at another location voted against unionizing, and votes at a third store are still being counted. There's some hanging chads, apparently. Much more uh, uh, on this story uh, that, uh, that we will have uh, this late, is the cr- Can I just say, this is the most, bre- I mean, I just want to go back. We were talking about this. It's just so breathless and so ridiculous. If you read the headlines about this, it is one store in America I don't even think it's actually 19. I think it's I think technically it's 12 people who voted for it, 12 to eight. And then there's questions about these other people and the, uh, about the actual of the numbers. So we're talking about 12 people. And I think and I'm convinced to my, my dying day that if you ever if, if anyone ever did a true deep dive into this, you would see that many even of those 12 people were effectively hired into that Starbucks effectively to unionize, meaning it was like an organized effort to unionize. Now, maybe you'd say that's what unions try to do. But I, I you know, we all, I, everybody's going crazy about this as if, as, well, as if somehow. That's because, it, you know, already in, in other states, uh, there are, there's workers at some of the, the baristas are, are giving, you know, saying, way to go, Buffalo. They're talking about it. Right. A lot, no, no, of, a lot of Starbucks stores right now that aren't company owned, uh, there's like 6,000 of them that are unionized already in, in airports and grocery stores and everything else. And you know how these things work, and especially in this day and age, Andrew, and, you know, you're on the other side of this on this issue, but on most other issues, if you light a fuse with some woke thing like this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to spread. And that's what we'll talk about. The stock's not called down. Uh, but I, I think Starbucks actions uh, and the way management uh, approached this it doesn't smell good to 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 a lot of people. And, you know, for people that just think that workers everywhere have a right to do whatever they think is in their best interest for themselves and their Joe, family and everything else. They have a right else, to do whatever so. they want. But I, I think there's a real question. I ask you, though, because we've talked about this before, about do you want this company? And this company, and I say it, I'm specifically talking about this company because it's a I little want? bit of a What do you think I really want? I can't imagine that, you, that you're supporting I think you know what I really the, want. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of unions. I'm a fan of free markets. I, I, I give everybody the right to do it, uh, obviously. But, but, you know, you're down to, to some of the lowest levels of union participation that we've had ever but the, right. the attitude towards people in the country is as positive towards worker rights as it has right. been and in 40 or 50 years. It's a reflection years. of so, what's happened the last so, couple of uh, years I mean, where the workers I can who go are with the flow, the Sork, and I can't believe you can't, can't go with the home. flow just because it's one of your fellow liberals that, well, that's in, you know, that doesn't want it in his backyard. Is basically the other question is going to be what, what happens I say, to not the what I do. This. Howard Schultz, you know, he's got the, the little coffee cups with all the woke messages on it. But when it comes down, when push comes to shove, 
do when what push, I say, not yeah, what I when do. When push comes to shove. Starbucks has been the woke. No, no, but that that's what's wrong here. Not Starbucks in my backyard. The, your voice is oh going up. Oh, my goodness. I get, un, I, get the, un, I get uncomfortable when your voice starts going up like that. It's like we're, it's, we're not Starbucks talking about mandates. Has, we're talking about coffee. No, no. <laughs> Starbucks has pulled up the, 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 the barista-level worker over the last 20 years, more than any other company in America. So the whole thing, the idea that we're looking at these 12 so wait, people or 19 people That's where baristas do best, so they've been the barista. Did you just say they pulled up the, the living level of baristas all around the world? Did you really just say that? <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. It just troubles, it troubles me so deeply because you, you and I have talked about this. The flex, you want companies to be flexible. One of the things that's so interesting about the company-owned stores at Starbucks is the employees can work at different stores. They provide all you these different benefits. You know how I really da, feel, da, da, and da, you da, know da, da, how da, da, I da. like the needle. You know how, but with that said, I, I understand the sentiment, and I understand how it's going to be. It's going to be something that we're talking about, I think, especially and, and then, with... The the worker shortages and labor and, and not, the question is going to be you. what happens to the workers after this. Do they get more advantages? Do they get more benefits? What what happens once you unionize? And, and that's what I think people will watch pretty closely too, I especially with a company a that's got some decent. Come in after or SAG or something. Probably in I SAG. I might be in one. Yeah. Are you are you in SAG? So I I, I, I think I, I have not. Sorkin, come on, man. This is not like you. I told I, you I, I was a union steward on the wrong side at, the, of this. at the Wall Street Journal. Come on. No, uh, but but I, but Joe, but here there's one other distinction in this case because we're talking literally about you know now two one store maybe two. In fact, I would argue to you that they will be disadvantaged in the end because the workers, right now. The workers, because right now, uh, maybe those specific 12 workers think that they'll be advantaged, but they're not going to be able to have the same type of flexible work hours. They're not going to be able to have all they're not going to be able to have necessarily all the benefits that have run through the company because they're going to be negotiating on their own independently of everybody else. You mean the company and will because, play harder ball because of the union idea so to, to, to kind of emphasize the fact that we are doing pr things that workers want anyway. If you unionize it, we're not going to necessarily give you the same things the whole, you have to look you have to pay union look, dues and you, then you have to negotiate to try and get those same things back is that we should move on i'm well, not no, sure this is investable enough seriously i mean i don't know if i mean if it's a one stock thing that we're talking about does it really say what we should do with starbucks I, this is not investable enough it does speak to the and movement I start in, the, in the country right now and when you're right. we get off topic i start chafing Rutgers shocking the number one team in the nation in college basketball night last night this was amazing i actually watched the entire game we watched this live can't believe how they pulled this off. Here's Ron Harper. Okay, th this is Purdue, the last their next to last possession. They make this shot, and no time. as a result, with no four time. seconds left, they make the shot. They got four seconds left. Ron Harper takes it. Ron Harper Jr. shoots it with about two tenths of a second left and makes it, and the whole place explodes. That was the rack. They defeated Purdue, who had just become the number one ranked team in the nation. And by the way, this is the first time that Rutgers in its history has ever beat a number one team. Um, probably the biggest moment in basketball they've ever seen in the entire place. And nobody was anticipating this last night. They've had a really rough start to the year, about four and four. This was a team that was supposed to be great because remember we went to the NCAA last year, won a game at the tournament for the first time in 38 years. 
And the two guys who were really responsible for it, you know, Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker came back and resigned. It stayed for a fifth year so they could do this because last year they were playing with no crowds. They didn't get the COVID, you know, because of COVID, they didn't get to play in front of the crowds and get all the excitement that they would have gotten. Geo Baker was out last night. He had the flu. He's been injured before that. So they haven't been doing very well. And this they was lost, unbelievable. They got, they got blown out by Illinois by 35, <laughs> 35 points. points. No one was expect. I, I guess there was no timeouts left. We got beat by Lafayette. Like, yeah. Yeah. I guess there were no times out, time out, and I think it's good that there weren't because they would have thought they would have thrown it in, and you know, yeah. it usually doesn't work out. So they had to do it on the fly. I mean, I, I was shocked watching it this morning, and I didn't. You know, your husband sent it to me and said he was literally crying. Did he Kyle was. see it? Did Kyle, Kyle was must, up. Everybody stayed up way too late last night. That. None of us got any sleep. So I watched that layup, and it's like, oh my god! When that happened with three seconds left, it's like it's over because you're down a point. <laughs> exactly. You're down a point now. And, and then the they back. had to just 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 react. Boom. They had to just react. Harper goes down there and and throws. It was that's one of the. Just, you tell me sports is not like doesn't raise the level of. This is bigger than anything that happened in in the March markets madness. over the. This, over, this is like March the madness. The whole no, thing but it, it elevates the the human experience. And, and, just and for my family, it was a big deal. We were all watching because my parents are both boilermakers. They went to Purdue and met there. Oh my, my uncle God, Johnny, that's funny. My cousin Tina. Everybody was watching this. My brothers and my sisters in law. All of us went to Rutgers. So this was like a big family thing with everybody texting. Ron Harper Senior to Miami of Ohio yes. and they, they retired his number yeah uh, and one what do you win five or six uh, NBA championships or something with uh, know, some with Chicago some with with the Lakers I loved it I love the story I wore red I wore <laughs> red you. I don't I did too. and I loved it because I can't bet on local teams we so I didn't lose I, I would have I think you would have made us lose if you bet on us oh shut up I, I think that um <laughs> I think you're only getting 13 points Really, which was so. Was that but the spread? To, I thought it was. Win. I thought it would have been more than that. I would have taken Purdue for sure. Yeah. I, I would have taken. I would have lost money. I would have lost like three dollars. So I, I thank you for that. Next on Squawk Pod, Dr. Kavita Patel on vaccine mandates and if being fully vaccinated will include having received a booster shot. There seems to be some resistance to that third dose. People feel like it's quote unquote, not essential, including employers. But uh, again, looking to the CDC, hopefully to have enough data to change that definition, possibly as early as January or February. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Stand Andrew by. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew. 
talk a little bit about the CDC for a second because they're now recommending booster shots for anyone 16 and older to broaden the protection against the new COVID-19 Omicron variant. Joining us now with more is Dr. Kavita Patel, fellow at the Brookings Institution, former White House health policy director. She's also an NBC and MSNBC medical contributor. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, we are, it appears to be rolling out boosters as fast as humanly possible. Uh, the, the question I'd ask actually about the booster at this point is for those who are within this window right around six months, but maybe even at five months, I know people who are saying, should I be getting the booster now? Yeah, Andrew, it's it's a, a very common question because I've been seeing some patients trying to sneak in at about four months even, uh, thinking that kind of sooner might be better. I've been trying to discourage that just because we don't know kind of what leads to the next shot. You've already heard the Pfizer CEO thinking about or alluding to a fourth shot sooner maybe then 12 months even after a third dose. And the whole point of timing these vaccines is to kind of encourage optimal immunity. So unless you have, I have seen some doctors, I haven't done it for my patients, but some people who never really mounted that initial response, older patients with other conditions, that some of those people have been receiving boosters a little sooner, kind of on a case-by-case basis. But in general, we're trying to stick to the schedule so that we can keep people evenly immunized throughout and even beyond this period after the third dose. Uh, you know, we just did a segment um, this morning about return to work, the idea that there was going to be even more return to office taking place in January. How does the new variant change or not change that dynamic from what you're starting to see in South Africa and maybe some of the numbers in the UK and elsewhere? Yeah, I'm already talking with uh, employers of different sizes in the United States who are rethinking their mask policy. Most employers had a, you know, if you're fully vaccinated, hadn't included a booster in that definition, Andrew. So I think that's critical. But if you're fully vaccinated, then you don't need to wear a mask. And that's been a pretty common theme. And I think that's also kind of resonant with what I would expect as somebody who's immunized that I'm safe. I've seen a lot more employers now putting masks back in. They've also been moving a lot more of their larger gatherings back to Zoom, kind of taking that virtual posture for anything that involves more than say five or six people. And then I think third, a lot of people are reconsidering, hoping the CDC will take action first, but reconsidering the definition of fully immunized to include that booster dose, to provide that extra protection in the hopes that masks and other mitigation procedures could come off soon. Does that change the dynamic for you? Meaning if you were to require workers in a conference room for everybody to be boosted, would that change how you feel about the mask component or no? I do. I think that especially now looking not just at the Pfizer data, there's three other studies. There's four studies total. And it's not just the Omicron variant, Andrew. It's also that real world data prior to Omicron that we saw with the effectiveness of that third dose in all of the settings involved, older, young, et cetera. I do think that it makes a pretty critical difference. I've been telling people, you don't have to wait for the CDC. You can make these decisions on your own. It's interesting, though. There seems to be some resistance to that third dose. People feel like it's quote unquote, not essential, including employers. But uh, again, looking to the CDC, hopefully to have enough data to change that definition, possibly as early as January or February. So that's what I was going to ask you. By the time the CDC changes, if they will change it. I think it's almost inevitable right. that they will change it. Right. The question is when and are they doing it too late? Yeah, that's uh, usually what we see with the CDC is that we do feel like it's too late, which is why I've been trying to Many of us in public health have been trying to encourage people to take these actions voluntarily. You are seeing some cities, New York City and others, 
who are putting out this guidance that, you know, you should include boosters in what we would consider full immunization for especially high risk settings, including healthcare settings. However, nobody has gone that extra step of requiring it. I think that will change. And especially for nursing homes, these things like this seems like a no brainer, Andrew, given the infections we see in some of the congregate settings we've talked about here, including schools. This feels like it will happen before the CDC takes action. But interestingly enough, that 16 to 17 year old booster recommendation, that wasn't something that any of us expected. And I think that indicates some of the sense of urgency to make sure that people understand boosters are necessary. Uh, in the 16 to 17 year old range, remember they're still optional. The CDC used the, the word may versus should for 18 and above, but I suspect that'll change as well. Yeah, Dr. Patel, that was gonna be my point. They have been kind of behind the eight ball and behind the curve on some of this stuff, but it, it does seem like the measure yesterday with 16 and 17 year olds, it, it's kind of stepping up in that urgency because not only did the FDA pass it, surprising people, the CDC passed it a few hours later without checking with the advisory board. Same thing with just kind of earlier this week with the immunotherapy being allowed for for patients as a preventative measure if you're immunocompromised, you know, for those um, monoclonal antibodies. It, it just seems like there is some urgency that's picking up and maybe they've, they've heard the complaints and are following through. Yeah, and I think the FDA and CDC has made it clear that they'll do everything to kind of um, fast track, so to speak, any Omicron-specific uh, vaccine development. They're also trying to, we're all waiting with bated breath on the uh, Pfizer antiviral oral pill because that just seems to hold such strong promise for both vaccinated and possibly unvaccinated, for unvaccinated and possibly vaccinated individuals. So we're hearing about so many things that the agencies are trying to do, and they are. I think that it's just always, when we see news developing, we want things to happen quickly and they have a process that they follow, not necessarily at the speed we would like, but they're committing to doing it as quickly as possible. I hope we see some of those developments in January as well, the oral antivirals. And as you mentioned, Becky, that uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis monoclonal antibody, a one injection intramuscular AstraZeneca product uh, has pretty incredible data, but limited to immunocompromised, severely immunocompromised people, about two to 3% of the population. But that could be a game changer for patients who don't mount any response, organ transplant, people in CAR T cell therapy, people on chronic steroids or TNF inhibitors, some of those drugs for rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and MS and cancer. Big game changers, just in time for the holidays, hopefully. And then doctor, finally, I wanted to just ask you practically uh, yourself, given this new variant uh, and its entry into the United States, have you changed, I know you're boosted, I'm boosted, and I keep thinking to myself, I've, I've been trying, I've sort of returned to my life, my life in a way, in a, in, a, in a great way, actually. Uh, but I now wonder, is that, you know, am I doing it right? Am I making a mistake? No, you're not, Andrew. And if it makes anybody, I'm very transparent about my own behavior. Taking the first vacation with my vaccinated children over the holidays, feel very comfortable, air travel, domestic or otherwise, I'm domestic. But I, I think that we have to have faith in the vaccines. That data that Pfizer recently released around its activity against Omicron for people with a booster is sufficient for me to feel comfortable I'm going to wear a high quality mask. I'm going to make sure I'm not in a crazy environment with people who are actively coughing and not wearing masks around me. But I think I can make those decisions and safely have holiday plans, back to office plans, holiday parties, even gatherings and do it safely. And I'm going to be using, as we've talked about, uh, testing where possible if I decide to go into an environment. Haven't done anything risky yet where I've implemented rapid or PCR testing or quarantine myself, but 
travel will be my first test. Okay, Dr. Kavita Patel, thank you as always for joining us. Have a great weekend. You too. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, Emmy award-winning TV host, chef, and restaurateur Lydia Bastianich discusses the challenges facing the food industry. Restaurants are busy. On the other hand, the expenses are going up. As owners, as business people, we have to really balance because the cost at the end has to be passed down to somebody. And of course, the customer is always at that end. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick uh, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Uh, the money wheel, we used to do the same stories over and over again every hour. I mean, uh, but we we're not going to. But back. you're in red, I'm in red. Andrew, they, we, this was, uh, I didn't see it. I wasn't up, but... Uh, but are you serious? That was something. Number one, Purdue. Yeah, you don't see buzzer beaters like that that often no. from half court, from half court. <laughs> no, from a team that has not been good. We had a four and four start going <laughs> right. into that game last night and took out the number one team. Granted, Purdue was only number one for, for a week. But, man, this turn. I've been betting on Purdue. Rutgers. And when, I've been, they've been covering a lot of their. Uh, lot. And I would have last night. But, but we're not allowed to bet on Seton Hall in New Jersey or, or on Rutgers or anything like that. So. I saved the money, but and so I can enjoy this with you and not be not be and your husband. Was he crying? Did you see him? He told he, me he was crying like he did. Tears, he wasn't joking. I mean, he, tears he teared rolling. up. Like, not <laughs> rolling, was, but, you know, such welling eyes. Yeah, such was, a softie. That happens. This doesn't Sports. this has never happened for Rutgers before. Never we beat a number on. one team. So. I'm so nervous when we don't talk. And we were just watching it for fun. Didn't think it was going to take off. But Can't the game kept getting better and better. Can't use this to invest, Becky. We've got to move on. Our next guest has been on the front lines of the pandemic disruption to the food industry. We want to welcome Lydia Bastianich, restaurateur, best-selling author, Emmy Award-winning TV host and food and entertainment empire. Um, her new PBS special is called Lydia Celebrates America, Overcoming the Odds. It premieres on December 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And, and Lydia, before we talk about your special, I just want to talk to you about what's happening on the front lines. And there's big concern about what's been happening. I, I, nobody probably knows this better than, than those of you on the front lines who have seen wage inflation, who have seen food inflation. W what's happening? What can you tell us? Well, John Becky. well, uh, let me tell you, Americans are eating out as our industry. Uh, you know, I guess being cooped up all this uh, during the pandemic now, they're really enjoying going out and eating and socializing, you know, getting off the sort of electronic mode and getting into real human mode. So the restaurants are are busy, are happy, happening. Uh, 
On the other hand, you know, everything else is going out. The expenses is go, are going up for us, you know, whether it's labor, whether it's cost of food, whether it's uh, uh, maintenance and so on. So, you know, as owners, as business people, we have to really balance and how, because the cost at the end has to be passed down to somebody. And of course, the customer is always at that end. And so we have to be careful because we want the customers, we want to keep the energy going, uh, but the costs are going up. I'd heard from another restaurateur in New York who was talking about just how people with money are really willing to spend it right now. One, one manner of kind of measuring how flush things are is are, are they willing to pay for alcohol and how much? Um, expensive bottles of wine. What do you see right now? How, how willing are people? Absolutely. Customers uh, are really expanding their palate and they're willing to pay for it. Not only taste-wise, they're buying the good things, they're buying good bottles of wine, more wine, they're buying the truffles, now it's truffle seasons, they're getting into, they're willing to invest in themselves. I guess, you know, being cooped up really has brought some awareness to, okay, where are we going, what are we doing? So they are willing to spend more. But on the other hand, they are also very conscious and very informed. You know, they know the value of food. They know what they should be paying. They are very conscious about the nutritional element in food, that they are getting the organic, the healthy food, that the restaurant, that the chefs are conscious of where uh, health-wise they are going. So it's an ever more educated uh, customer out there. And I mean, I love it. Any any uh, businessman that's really uh, uh, into what he does, you know, there's nothing better than an educated customer. It drives the whole uh, industry. How difficult is it to find staff for the restaurants at this point? That is difficult, you know, I think, to find uh, staff. We had uh, people working for us 30 years, you know, before the pandemic and we had to let them go. So a lot of them, we had a, an allegiance of, of a lot of workers and they came back. But uh, as a whole, it is difficult to find. Now it's sort of loosening up. The market is loosening up and we are finding more and more people that are competent, that are good, that want to do this business. Let's talk about your PBS special. This this sounds really special. It's Lydia Celebrates America Overcoming the Odds, where you go and meet with people who have really overcome incredible odds. How did you inspire it? What? How were you inspired by this? What happened? Well, Becky, you know, I, besides being a restaurateur and a cookbook author, I have a cooking show on PBS for the past 22 years. But for the past 10 years, I've been doing a special, a one-hour special. And I am an immigrant. I came to the United States when I was 12 years old. My story is a little bit unique. I came from a part of Italy that was given to communist Yugoslavia. We were caught behind the communists and uh, sort of escaped back into Italy two years in a refugee camp and ultimately came here and were given this wonderful opportunity to be Americans. And, and uh, so, so this, uh, you know, the resilience that it takes, the strength, the positive attitude, the taking the opportunity that I can sort of relate to my life is I applied to this tour that I do through America every year, one hour special on PBS. And uh, it's my way of saying thank you, America. It's my way of connecting with America. And this year, we chose five different individuals that really faced the odds. A young man that was a wine uh, sommelier at my restaurant for Lydia. Two years later, he had a car accident, became a paraplegic, is in a wheelchair. But he loved the industry and he wanted to open a restaurant. Ultimately, six months ago, he opened Contento up in Harlem. He got married with his wife. And this restaurant is very sort of amenable to and uh, for uh, people with, with, with 
difficulties, whether it's a wheelchair, whether it's blindness, and he has a braille menu. And so this young man, you know, a handsome young man that was sort of, uh, sort of tied to a wheelchair after the accident, really went on and did what he wanted to do. And so, so this, this, there's also a young man in, in, in this story that was incarcerated at 17 years old for a sex crime that he didn't commit. And it took him 10 years to, with some of this help to actually prove it that he didn't, he came out, he got his law degree. Now he is helping uh, the young people that get into same position that are caught and incarcerated without any any cause or fault or whatever. That's and incredibly so inspirational. Really That's incredibly yeah. inspirational. And, you know, we could all use some feel-good stories right now, Lydia. Um, thank you for your time this morning. We will look forward to it, and uh, we appreciate it. It's great to see you. It's Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, yeah. uh, On PBS. All right? Thank Ciao. you, Lydia. Take care. That's the show for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right to your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.